Own Your Truth with life strategist Laura T. Real advice for regular people. Now, here's Laura. I'm Laura T. Thank you so much for listening. I know there's lots of ways you can spend your time, and I'm always grateful you're going to spend the next hour with me. So grab your favorite cup of tea, a comfortable seat, and let's talk about this week's topic, the death of common courtesy. So it seems that from online entertainment to live events, from music halls to retail stores, from driving to something as simple as walking, and from Generation Z to baby boomers, the death of common courtesy is far and wide. So as with any death, I thought it appropriate to offer an obituary. Common Courtesy, a longtime resident of Connecticut and the northeast part of the United States, was announced officially dead Wednesday, the 1st of January, after a long struggle with a lack of manners. Born at the beginning of time, Common Courtesy, formerly known as Etiquette, received notoriety, notoriety during the 18th century when Philip Stanhope wrote letters to his son on the art of becoming a man of the world and a gentleman. Educated across the seas, Common Courtesy traveled to America, where her career expanded thanks to George Washington's rules of civility. In 1922, Common Courtesy gained fame, reaching homes across America thanks to Emily Post's etiquette in society, in business, in politics, and at home, and later her syndicated column. Common Courtesy's success expanded and was soon a household expectation. Common courtesy loved social events, big and small, around the family dinner table, in the classroom, a boardroom, public gatherings, and even special events. Common courtesy was a star, and she shined. Some examples of her legacy include saying bless you when someone sneezed, using eye contact when speaking with each other, saying excuse me when bumping into someone, holding the door for one another, saying please and thank you at the table, and letting others enter on the road when driving. These are but a few of the fond memories she leaves behind. During her heyday, she could be found everywhere, and wherever she was, people were noticeably happier. Sadly, common courtesy is survived by avoidance of eye contact, bumping and jostling while walking, slammed doors, silent dinners, rude behavior during public events, and driving through red lights to name a few of her black sheep descendants. Common courtesy will be missed. Memorial gifts may be made by considering others and carry, with caring words and small tokens of kindness at your address today and every day. Own Your Truth with Laura T. of Fairfield County has been entrusted with arrangements. Thank you. Okay, all kidding aside, I, ha- I had to do it. I just couldn't help it. If we're going to talk about death, we need to include an obituary. And so when I first thought about discussing the death of common sense, the question that came to mind is, where is Emily Post, the matriarch of etiquette, when we really need her? Well, so I had to answer my own question. Upon research, I discovered her family actually carries on her legacy of etiquette with the Emily Post Institute. So I started to feel a little bit better about the situation and common courtesy. Maybe she's not dead after all. I mean, after all, if this organization still exists, like there must be people who need the service. So I started to poke around a little bit. 
Well, their etiquette lessons seem to be very much in alignment with today's common courtesy needs. As I looked at the homepage, it just seemed really focused on sort of old school thoughts like table settings, and it used a lot of formal language. And it continued to use the word etiquette, which makes common, the common sense of Emily Post's advice seem a little bit outdated. So don't get me wrong. I'm sure a lot of her past advice wouldn't fit for today. But the continuation of her belief that manners are a sensitive awareness of the needs of others is needed more now than ever. So typical behavior. And no, I'm going to talk about the Northeast because it may be different in the South. I don't know. I don't live there. I've lived in the Northeast my entire life. And when I think about some of the activities that we engage in, whether it's, um, again, I mentioned running red lights. Uh, A big one I'm going to talk about today is using speakerphone and FaceTime while in public places. Kids watching devices in restaurants without headphones. Salespeople in stores standing around talking to each other instead of helping customers. It's children running around restaurants, bumping into waitresses and disturbing other guests. I know that I'm not alone because when I'm in social groups, we all seem to be talking about it and noticing it. And in talking with people about the show, people got really heated about the things that they felt were missing in terms of common courtesy. And yet, as individuals, as we talk about it, it sounds like we're all helpless and we're unable to save this thing we claim we want. And so you may notice that in the obituary, I used the date January 1, but I purposely did not give it a year. This doesn't have to be the death of common courtesy. In fact, you as an individual can make a difference, and we're going to talk uh, during the show about how. During this hour, I'm going to share some personal experiences, including some discourteous discourteous things I've done. Like, I don't even realize I'm doing it in preparing for the show. I had to really think, like, what do I do? And guess what? I even have a list. So we're going to talk about how can we adjust the way that we see things? How can we make positive changes starting with our own experience? And then I'm going to answer your questions about this idea of the death of common sense. So so I'm going to talk about a couple of examples that really stood out to me during the holidays and what prompted the show. The first was um, we had this really wonderful family experience where me and my extended family um, went to the Boston Pops holiday concert. Uh, These tickets are really expensive. They're about $125 per seat. And you go in. So I went, I had this experience as a child and I was so excited. We were doing this now with my children and again, my extended family. Um, and so as a child, this, it was just magical. I remember going into symphony hall and I remember, um, sitting in within these big round tables with white tablecloths and everyone was dressed up and it was just, uh, again, so vivid in my mind. Well, so we are, going as adults, again, I'm bringing my children, and we arrive at Symphony Hall and realize that after being packed into the hall like sardines, there were five people to a round table the size of about a manhole cover. Um, It appeared that it was more important for the organization to sell alcohol and food during an 11 a.m. performance 
than it was to consider the enjoyment of the performance by the attendees. So that performance, by the way, was only 70 minutes long. So if people couldn't wait, and they, they sold beverages and stuff before the show, and I guess for 70 minutes, people couldn't wait to eat their food or get additional drinks. Um, so I, if you can't even tell in how I'm describing it, I started to create a story about this experience while I was sitting there. And we were sitting t- sort of toward the back on the floor. And there were waiters and waitresses walking in and out of these tightly packed tables, carrying trays of food and beverages, typing on their iPads throughout the entire show. So I thought it was really interesting that meanwhile, guests were asked not to use cell phones, obviously for recording purposes, but I also assumed because the lights went up and down according to what was happening on the stage that it was because it would impact, you know, people being able to see as well. And yet the waiters and waitresses had their iPads and were taking orders. So I I was so frustrated. And know that I loved the performance itself. The music was as magical as I remembered it. And um, they even did this Polar Express scene that was, was better than anything they'd done when I was a kid. It was wonderful. And yet... I left the show and had to do like breathing techniques to calm myself down from the frustration I felt. So listening to this, like, let's break it down. It's important to remember in any situation, we have three choices. We can blame, we can change our perception, or we can change our procedure. Keeping in mind, most people blame because it's the easy thing, right? They blame circumstances, they blame the economy, they blame technology, they blame other people. It's easier and we don't, again, we don't have to take personal responsibility. And clearly, that's what I did. I let the story I had about the commercialism of Boston Symphony Hall build so much that I didn't enjoy the show. I blamed them for allowing this to happen. And because I let it build and build throughout the performance, I, I impacted my experience. They didn't. Now, a month later, I can clearly see that was my choice. So the question becomes, what could I have done in that moment? Well, first and foremost, let's go back to these three ideas, right? I have an option. I can blame, I can change my perception, or I can change my procedure. First and foremost, I had to change my perception. At the time of the show, clearly there was nothing I could do. I was going to have no control over whether or not the the waiters and waitresses sold items during the performance. That wasn't my call. As much as I would have liked it to be, it was not my call. So the only thing I had control over was how I felt about it. Had I found ways to work through and or ignore the situation, my experience would have been different. And that's on me. That's my responsibility. Second, I could have changed my procedure. At the time of the show, I thought that, you know, I thought, oh, I'm going to show them. I'm going to do a radio show and talk about Boston Symphony Hall. And um, this is, this is, I'm going to show them about common courtesy. So, because I was still reeling over this experience, and obviously I am talking about it, except what I didn't realize until I was preparing for the show was that in publicly blaming, instead of doing something about it to make change, I wasn't really changing my procedure at all. So what happened as I was creating the show was it forced me to say, really, what would be a change in procedure. 
is am I showing common courtesy by publicly blaming an organization for something that I haven't even done any research on? I had a bad experience, yes, but I haven't contacted anyone there. And so as a result of this show, I am committed to calling Boston Symphony Hall and sharing with them politely my concerns. Politely being the key word here. What I've observed during instances of discourteous behavior is people either don't say anything and they let it build, like what I was doing, or they rudely address the situation, which is also a losing approach. So notice, and I, I like again, thinking about how often are we discourteous? Like when are we discourteous to our spouses, our kids, our colleagues, extended family, and then in these public situations? And keeping in mind that when we come back at a situation rudely because we feel like, oh, well, this is how we're going to show them, it's important to remember that when you push people, it is natural for them to push back. I've talked about this before on the show is when we push, it's our, our body's instinct to push back so we don't fall over, right? So if someone pushes on you, you push back to stand up straight. Well, it's the same thing emotionally, except in the moment, we don't realize that's what we're doing. And so this idea of how can you politely have a conversation about a situation becomes really important because change in common courtesy starts with me. And so you're going to notice I'm going to say this over and over throughout the show. I know I need the message. And so I hope that it helps you as well. Okay, so that's the first example. The second example of the death of common courtesy is my total frustration with people's use of devices without a headset. Whether you're listening to music, watching a program, um, a TV program, or watching YouTube, or even talking to someone on speakerphone, the truth is no one else wants to hear what you're doing. And, and that's not even being rude. It's just simply no one else wants to be a part of that conversation. Actually, there are some conversations that I overhear in like the grocery store that I feel awkward that I'm even there listening. Uh, and I'm not quite sure why I feel awkward because they're the ones having the conversation. If they feel comfortable enough, it shouldn't you know, impact me. And yet I, I, I find myself walking down a different aisle. So um, this is something that I have to work on regularly. And so let's break down my current approach, which is not working. I have asked to move my seat at restaurants at least once a month because someone near me is watching a movie on high volume without a headset or FaceTiming a friend or family member. So here's the, the issue is I'm never speaking to the person directly. What I've been doing is I go to the waiter or manager because in my mind, they should be setting the standard for their customer experience, not me. So I go, okay, well, I'll go to the manager. The problem is by the time I'm at that point, I'm so fuming I'm also sort of afraid of how I'll behave talking to someone. So I kind of, you know, okay, this is the safe way to go. I'll, you know, go talk to a manager. Well, let's, let's be honest. It's time for me to put on my big girl panties because much of our lack of common courtesy is a result of us not talking to each other. 
And, you know, I use this uh, recent example I had. Um, I was in Oregon um, staying at this fabulous place, and I was in sort of a restaurant bar. And this gentleman was watching a TV show really, really loudly. And I never went up to that person and asked them to turn it down. I simply went straight to the bartender and complained and asked to move my table. So I'm not suggesting that. So my thought was, okay, well, I'll go up to the person. And in thinking that, I thought, well, I mean, really, if someone is alone in a restaurant on the beaches of Oregon, would they rather be watching an iPhone in a public bar than eating with someone? And so this isn't to say that I'm going to go invite myself to their table, but in hindsight, instead of going to the manager and asking for my seat to be moved, I should have talked to the gentleman. And here's a key point. This goes back to being polite. It didn't have to be confrontational because remember, confrontation is what I would have brought to the conversation. Talking to someone doesn't have to be confrontation, even if you're addressing a situation that's concerning to you. And so I had to come up with a scenario. How could it have gone? What could I have said to this person? Well, I could have said, you know, hi, how are you? And then introduced myself. I could have continued by saying like, hey, listen, I couldn't help but overhear your show. What are you watching? Is it any good? And then at that point, I could decide to ask him to turn it down. Or maybe I could continue the conversation. That would have been much more productive than what I did. Because in the end, me holding on to that and not saying anything and having to be moved was so frustrating. And I didn't give him the chance to be courteous. I automatically assumed he wasn't because I have a rule with how people should act in restaurants. So when I own my own truth at the time, I had to think about, like, why didn't I go up to him? Yeah, I'm not afraid to approach people. I'm pretty friendly. But at the time, I couldn't be bothered because I was at a conference. The conference started early in the morning. And they so it started at 530. And then we had, like, an 8 o'clock session at night. And so I was just getting dinner in between. And so I had to own that. The truth was I couldn't be bothered in the moment to have a conversation with another person. This is when I have to recognize my own contribution to the death of common courtesy. I mean, think about it. Have you ever done something and not thought about how it would impact others? I, I know I have. And so after this week's Musical Artist of the Week, I'm going to share some of the things I've done unintentionally that are totally discourteous. And I'm sharing those in hopes of helping you recognize that some of the things you may do as well that you don't intend are to be discourteous actually are. Because when we think about bringing back common courtesy, it has to start with me and it has to start with you. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that again after this week's Musical Artist of the Week, which... I can't wait to share. Um, this season, I'm pulling out songs from my favorite people. This song, Gaslight, is by Parkway South. You know them because they're a regular feature, featured artist on the show. And this week, I chose their music because I had the honor of working with Mike, the lead guitar, guitarist of the band, as a client. And um, I happened to come across a recording of our first session. And it was so 
crazy to me that in 2013, he wasn't playing much music at all. And now to hear his sound and to know he and his super talented wife, Heather, made the move from Connecticut to Nashville to follow their passion. I'm so honored to know them both and excited to play a small part in their amazing journey. I I had to share their music again tonight. So here is Gaslight from their latest record, Reckless Enlightenment. Please enjoy. Another time. 
So before we get to today's questions and answers, I promise to share some of the discourteous things I do unintentionally. So as I found that it's easy to judge others and as a result of that, it was really important, important exercise for me to look at my own behavior. Okay, so what are some of the things that I do? My face is getting a little bit red as I uh, admit these. But okay, I know one thing I do is when I'm in a rush to, especially to pick up my kids, I run yellow lights knowing that they're going to turn red while I'm going through them. Now, it doesn't seem like much in the moment because I'm like, oh, you know, I'm in a rush. And yet there are other people's safety, especially those people, people pulling the other way, that I'm impeding by not stopping at the yellow light. The yellow light isn't meant to slow down and stop. And so I know that's something that I, that's discourteous that I do. Um, something I do is I stand in the middle of the aisle at grocery stores while I'm looking at my list of groceries or I'm looking at a recipe trying to gather items. Um, I don't tend to text or talk in the grocery store, but I do stand there and I'm blocking the aisle. And again, this is unintentional. I'm sort of in my own world and, you know, people say, excuse me, and I move over immediately. And yet it's something that I do often enough. I should think about it before I do it. Um, Another thing I do is driving. I tend to be very impatient. I don't let people in front of me during red lights. And so if someone's trying to pull in and there's some space, I tend to kind of get close to the person in front of me. Now, there's no reason to do that. It's not very courteous to do that. And I know that that's something I do. Um, Another thing that I do is I'm on my phone when I'm checking out at a register. It could be at a grocery store. It could be um, less at a grocery store than like if I'm at like a Dunkin' Donuts or getting coffee. Um, I don't get off my phone to speak with the the person who is helping me. And yet, if that person was on the phone as the customer and I was waiting for them, I would think that's terribly rude. And so, again, I had to think about some of these places where I wasn't practicing what I say I want. And those are areas that I need to work on changing. And then the final example is um, I speak very sharply to people I think are cutting me in line, which, again, it's like, listen, if someone needs to cut you in line, obviously they feel like they've got something you know, going on. And even if I speak with them, which is fine, how I do it really matters. I don't need to speak rudely to people who are cutting me in line. There was an instance I did it and uh, this poor girl, I said, you know, the line's back there or something like that. And she's like, I know I'm just asking about a size. And I thought, oh, geez. But again, there are these things that that we do and it's recognizing our own behavior. Um, One of the, the biggest things in these situations that I believe is part of this lack of common courtesy is not saying something in the moment and then holding on to it and letting it build. Like this idea of connecting with each other through conversation, it means that I have to remove my judgment and get curious. And then once I show up as a better self, a better version of myself by addressing the situation, I can consciously decide how to proceed rather than emotionally responding in the moment or even worse in some of the instances, um, not saying anything at all and then sharing the horrible experience over and over and over and like reliving it with people over and over and over. You know, in preparing for the show, a good friend of mine sent me a quote that I think sums up the death of common courtesy really well. When we are wronged, we want justice. But when we do wrong, 
we want mercy. I've given examples throughout the show on how change starts with me and it starts with you. And so I want to review those before we get to some of the questions because now I've, I've shared, I've aired my dirty laundry, all of the things that I do. And I'm sure there's more that, again, I don't do intentionally that are discourteous that I really want to pay attention to. So when we look at some of the changes we need to make, that first one has to be to stay conscious, right? To be conscious of how our behavior may be impacting those around us. The second is to change perception. In situations where you aren't able to control what's going on, change your perception so you can control your energy around it. And then the third thing, change your procedure. There are things that we can do to help people become more aware, to help ourselves become more aware in the moment of the need for courtesy. Then finally, notice when you're discourteous because that idea of recognizing it in yourself will help you be more forgiving when other people are discourteous and it gives you the opportunity to adjust your own behavior. Okay, so I hope you found this helpful so far because now we're going to get to some of your questions. First question um, comes from Mary. And she says, we travel a lot, and while staying in hotels, we often hear children running up and down the hallway, and it's nerve-wracking. We hesitate to call the front desk because we get it. Kids are going to be kids. How can we approach the situation without being seen as nasty neighbors? What a great question. And again, what I love about the way this is worded is that there is an awareness. You know, you don't want to be seen as nasty neighbors. And again, talking to them first, talking to the people who are staying next to you, you know, um, I don't know if you or you yourself have had children, but coming to them um, in a way that can relate, you know, and saying, hey, listen, you know, we've got, you know, I've had kids or, you know, I know kids, I spend time with kids, I get it, they're running around. Is there any way that you can have them be more quiet? Um, You can also look at some time frames, you know, like if it's in the middle of the day, you know what, it's appropriate that people be walking up and down and making more noise than normal during the day. If it's the early morning hours, then say something immediately. If it's late at night, say something immediately. But the first step has to be talking with the person who's responsible for the children. Even the first attempt before that is talking with the children because they may not even, you know, they're just releasing energy. Um, It may even be worthwhile to say, hey, guys, do you know, um, there are people staying here and it gives you an opportunity for learning, right? Is there any way you guys can, you you know, use your indoor feet, especially if it's stomping, if they're using, you know, being very loud, you know, use your indoor language, giving you an opportunity to show children what it's like to have an interaction that can be... um, can be positive while asking for something that you want or something you need to improve your experience, right? So great question about staying in hotels. Again, I think the key is when we're working with other people is to go out and speak to the person first. If that doesn't work, then you take that next step, which may be, you know, calling down to the front desk or calling the concierge. So um, 
having that conversation and making that having that communication with the children is a great learning lesson for them and an opportunity for you to show up as your best. I hope that helps. The next question comes from um, Sally. Sally said, when we went to dinner with a friend and her husband, the husband kept answering his phone the entire meal. It was so distracting. We didn't enjoy each other. How do I say something without offending her? Great question. This is a this is a scenario that happens often um, when people are using their phones at the table. I think the there's a couple of ways to approach this. The first thing is obviously being honest with your friend and depending on the level of your relationship, managing the conversation based on on that the depth of the relationship. There are some people that you know it's more easy to talk to. There are other people where it may be more helpful to ask questions. So a conversation, let's go with the question route. Let's use um, sort of the, the the back way in, which is, you know, I would contact your friend and ask, hey, what did you think about the dinner the other night? Um, does Joe usually use his phone often at the table? This kind of gives you an opportunity to open up the conversation and say, you know, that's not something that we typically do. So it was a little hard for us to have a conversation while Joe was on his phone. Um being honest, owning your truth about how you felt in the situation is important and doing it in a way that lets your friend know, but still polite. And then if she says, listen, he does it all the time and, you know, this is how he is and I can't do anything about it. Okay, that's totally fine. You know, I just thought I would bring it up. And then you get to decide. So the first step is having the conversation and then you get to choose going forward is that someone that I want to continue to spend time with? If they're not totally present, you're not really spending time together anyway. And if you're not going to enjoy the time, it doesn't make sense for you to continue to schedule time together. It's consciously making that decision. And who do you want to spend time with? And what do you want that experience to be like? I hope that helps. And, you know, for anyone that I give online advice um, on the radio advice to, please, please, I would love to hear your feedback and what happens. And if you try these things out with the people who um, you have questions with, I'd love to hear what happens afterward. Okay. Um, So our next question um, comes from Mary. I have rules about common courtesy with my family that my kids constantly point out other kids don't have to follow. It feels like parents are too busy to teach common courtesy. It's, if it's not taught at home, should common courtesy be taught in the schools? What should the balance be? Wow, what a great question. And I just noticed, I think we have two Marys here. Okay, so what a great question. Um, so... It feels like parents are too busy to be focused on teaching common courtesy. Well, I think that, you know, when it comes to common courtesy, like I said, it starts with, you know, me, it starts with you and really kids will follow what you do before they do what you say. And so the idea that it is being taught at home right? Or if there isn't common courtesy at home, that it's not being brought out into the public, um, is typically what's happening. Uh, The other piece is, I think that 
it's deciding, you know, what are our standards and what are we willing to accept? And that's beyond that that is in the home and then it's out in public and when we're seeing things that we don't agree with to politely have conversations about them to get curious and ask questions about situations um i think that that's really where it starts the idea should common courtesy be taught in the schools i look at the demands put on teachers I don't think that you can ask teachers to do any more than what they do. There are certain skills that need to be come from that home environment. I don't think that – I think they can be um, – you can set standards that are reinforced in school. Absolutely. But I think to say, okay, as a class, let's teach common courtesy, we're losing the point. Common courtesy is something that um, – that becomes who we are rather than something that we do. It's making it so that it's automatic. And that is showing common courtesy to each other. And this is where I believe that as individuals, each individual does make a difference. And so, um, yes, I think there's a place for common courtesy in terms of how the kids act with each other and what the standards are for school, but not that it's something that gets taught in school. That's something that comes from home, and we teach each other in our daily interactions. Really, really important that it starts at home, in the community, and then is just reinforced in the schools. On that subject, totally my opinion. I would love to hear what you think um, if you have a different thought on this idea of should common courtesy be taught in the schools. Go to the Own Your Truth with Laura T. Facebook page. I'd love to hear from you. I do have a few more questions from our Facebook followers. Um, The first comes from Bill. My concern as a father is with social media especially sites like Snapchat that let kids know where everyone is hanging out. Because kids can easily see they weren't invited, it makes them feel left out. So what's great about this is we're including our actions online as part of this conversation about common courtesy. It is so important. In this, I don't really hear a question. What I will say, and I think that this is an important distinction for people to make, is does someone sharing information or sort of this idea that common courtesy would prevent them from sharing information, does that really – does that fit common courtesy or is that more – inhibiting someone's rights, right? And it's sort of an extreme in saying inhibiting someone's rights. But when you look at, okay, well, then people, in order for people to be courteous online, they shouldn't share pictures of where they are for fear that someone may be left out. The reality is that we don't get invited to everything. And and so I think that it is important to have sensitivity around the so, the use of social media. And this is where you as a parent get to decide what you let your children use in terms of social media. In knowing that Snapchat has that outcome, I personally decided that Snapchat was not one of the social media online programs that I was going to give my kids access to. It isn't in alignment with how we function. And so it was something that I just didn't don't allow my kids to use. Um, that that took that piece away. When we again, thinking about 
you know, sharing pictures of where you are. I, you know, I'm an avid user of Facebook and there are people who go to part. My friends are at parties with each other and I'm not invited and um, my feelings aren't hurt. Because I just believe personally it's never against me. It's for them and they're posting their happiness. I would never want them not to post their happiness because they think I may be upset I wasn't invited. So again, with this one in social media, it becomes a very, very touchy subject. I think it's something we need to be talking about more. You know, how are we using social media? What is common courtesy online? It is understanding for those parents that feel that you you know what? I want my kid to have Snapchat and it, here's how it feels for them. It feels like they're being left out. Those conversations are what help other parents and other kids be more sensitive. And that whole idea of um, etiquette and this idea of being sensitive to others, I think that is important. Um, so I'm not sure that I answered the question because I wasn't really sure what the question was, but I thought that the topic was so important I wanted to make sure we discussed it. Deciding what fits for common courtesy and what is people being people, that's that fine line, right? It's not a, a it's not clear black and white and it's in the conversations that we have with each other we can better understand how best to deal with it and with each other during these situations so i, I hope that helped um again i would love your feedback and to hear what you think um okay so next question um is from taylor i was at a movie and the kids in front of me were being very rude during the show how do I say something without being disrespectful back? This is a really good question. Um, so the idea is, I, I don't know if you've ever been at a movie and people are talking and then you're, shh, shh. I, that's sort of my comeback, right? Well, that's not very productive. They know they're talking. You know they're talking. And so it may be going that step further and saying, hey, guys, I don't know if you realize, like, you're interrupting the show for other people. Um, being really polite and bringing the awareness to them, hopefully that would be enough to open them up to changing their behavior. This is a situation where if talking to them doesn't have a positive impact or change the situation, it may be that you need to go, you know, to the front desk and ask for help from a supervisor uh, at the movie theater. But the conversation with the individuals has to happen first. I think that you can see in my answers, there's just that common theme and communication and talking with each other and figuring out how can we make it better between us instead of going to get, you know, the authorities or going to get someone outside. We've got to open up communication and conversation in order for there to be courtesy between us. So I hope I hope that helps. And again, us talking becomes so important. Okay. The next question comes from Adam. And he says, I'm a student and easily get bored. How do I stop myself from using my phone during a lecture I find boring? 
Ah, this is really uh, a question that hits home because as a speaker and a trainer, there's nothing more heart-wrenching than when people pull out their devices or when people pretend that they're on their computers taking notes and you know that they're not. I just want anyone who uses a device or a computer in a public setting where there's a speaker, don't kid yourself. They don't think for a minute that you're taking notes um, and it's totally disheartening. They know you're answering emails and doing other things. Even if you take notes once in a while, we know that you're flipping back and forth. Um, And so on this, it really comes down to self-discipline and putting yourself in the shoes of the speaker. If you're going to this lecture, if you've paid for this class, if even if you're in high school and the class is boring, coming up with systems that help you stay attentive is important in high school for your grade. Um, As you get older, it's because if you're going to make the investment of time and you're paying for it, it makes sense that you get something out of it, whatever it is. It could be you learn what you don't like in a speaker, and even if you're taking notes on that, but that you give the speaker the common courtesy of your attention. It, it's so important. I actually um, went to an event, fortunately it wasn't the speaker, and the gentleman in the front row fell asleep and was snoring or breathing loudly. He wasn't quite snoring. And it was horrifying. It was uh, it was awkward to be there. And I felt so bad for the speaker because I could feel what it would be like to be in her shoes. So this idea of having a higher standard for yourself and how you show up to events is something that you need to consider. And I will say quickly on another show, I, I touched on the A, uh, it was a show on technology, and I touched on a professor who w- required all of his students to turn in their computers and their cell phones at the beginning of every class. And um, the crazy part about it was the show was a there's a show. The um, the class was on technology, and he said by the end of the semester, the feedback he got from the students who stayed in the class because a whole bunch bailed. They're like, "No, I'm not doing that." Um, the students who stayed in the class, they learned more. They said things like, "This is the only class that I participated in the whole time I was here," and these were seniors. I mean, the feedback was crazy. And the students loved it. And so consider putting away your own device, being your own policeman, so that you get more out of the lecture that you're going to. I hope that topic is one I, I'm personally invested in. I could go on forever about that one. Um, I hope this helps. Um, I would love to hear, again, your feedback, um, what you try out, and, and how it goes for you. Okay, so that is all the time we have for questions tonight. I want to say thank you for joining me tonight and every Sunday night where you stay and listen to the show. Um, Remember, common courtesy is only dead if we believe it is. Change starts with me and you. As always, I love hearing your thoughts and getting your feedback on the show. Visit Own Your Truth with Laura T's Facebook page and please comment. 